3: Five K R C the Talk Station. Five oh five. The fifty-five KRC, the Talk Station, Friday
4: Eve.
2: Don't
3: vote Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> you getting that out of the way? You can't wait till you can't wait till five thirty news segment, huh, Joe? Happy uh, Friday Eve, Brian Thomas, right here. I'm glad to have Joe Strecker in there. He's got his finger on the uh, the funny buttons in the uh, production studio. He's also lined up a good show. Thank you, Joe. Flying up Dan Hills, FOP President Dan Hills. Um, really important conversation. <laughs> What's more important? In your minds, if you're a resident of the city of Cincinnati, you have to rely on the Cincinnati Police Department. Um, Would you rather have them standing around Paul Brown Stadium on game day, or would you rather have them there to provide backup assistance for officers who are calling for backup because they're in peril? I think I know the answer to that question. we get the details on that coming up with FOP President Dan Hills. A little miffed he was the other day with the allocation of scarce police resources. We need more police officers. Uh Christopher Smithman returns to the program. Looking forward to that. Always enjoyed talking to Christopher. We'll find out how the campaign's going. Seven thirty got uh you know, you're down to a very short period of time between now and election day. Of course you can get on the Board of Elections and get your vote taken care of if you want. Do you think anything could happen within I uh, let's just say Hamilton County or any of the races you'll be voting on between now and election day that may make you want to change your vote? Of course, I'm thinking of the Fetterman Oz debate. A lot of people uh, really appalled at Fetterman's performance, and I understand that you were lied to. They, he said he was okay. He said his daughter, doctor said he was okay. Everybody in the Democratic Party said he was okay. It's the same old story and song and dance you got from Joe Biden. A lot of people questioning whether it was abusive to Fetterman to even send him out there for the to, to face this obvious embarrassment. Joe Biden still finds him impressive. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I doubt there's – I mean, I'm trying to come up with something. I suppose some bomb could drop between now and Election Day that make you want to change your mind as to one or more of the election or the uh, the, yeah, the the elections. I doubt it. So you can go ahead and vote for Christopher Smithman. you're voting straight Republican ticket, just make sure you uh, scratch off the Republican candidate and vote independent. We'll get some more on that from Christopher at 730. Did I say enough in favor of Christopher? Rebecca Surindorf. She is the co-chair of Ohioans for Child Protection. They advocate for increased legal protection and avenues toward justice for child sex abuse victims, and God love them for the work that they're doing. We're going to hear from Rebecca at 8.05, followed by iHeartMedia aviation expert Jay Ratliff. says not all the airlines are uh, making money. Not shocking me. Uh, Department of Transportation complaints up 320% over pre-pandemic numbers. Do people get intolerant and less uh, able to deal with the ups and downs of air travel over the pandemic? Maybe just, it's more than just air travel. And, we'll, of course, we'll get an update on hub delays. Always enjoy those conversations with Jay. I guess I can relate the, um, you know, Dan Hill's appearance on the program and um, the comment I made about Joe Biden uh, <laughs> since I brought him up. Uh, turn to Austin, Texas. This is in connection with our 911 system uh, and whether the police will be there. I saw an article this morning that the, the shortage of police officers is nationwide. Uh, congratulations, Democrats, your policies are coming home to roost. You so thoroughly demonized individuals uh, on law enforcement that good, decent, honest people who would pursue a career in law enforcement are not interested in it anymore because they don't want to be on the receiving end of, well, verbal and physical abuse. They don't want to be perceived as a racist, in spite of the fact that we know the vast majority of police departments themselves systemically are not racist. Talk to the police officers. Look at the racial makeup of the police departments. How can a police department like the city of Cincinnati's police department which has a variety um, and a well, I mean, an amazing United Nations-esque array of officers from different races, creeds, and genders be labeled as systemically racist? It's just ridiculous. And and we're all living with the aftermath of these uh, allegations, accusations, and demonization. Crime has gone up. You got the woke prosecutors, the woke judges, letting people out who shouldn't be out. Crime increases. You know the results. Maybe one of the reasons the Republicans are uh, doing so well in the polling, at least as we approach the election. But anyway, we go to Austin. We got a woman who was left on hold by nine one one dispatcher fifteen minutes while her husband died. Yep, staffing shortages at the city's nine one one dispatch center. Said the phone just ring, was just ringing and ringing and reading. This is uh, Tanya Gotcher speaking with local news there in Austin. She'd been married for 30 years. He collapsed and then later died. Called to 911, uh, recently featured in a campaign ad for Travis County judge candidate RuPaul Shandurhari. Said she asked her father-in-law to also call the emergency dispatcher so that she wouldn't lose her place in line. And his call took more than 10 minutes. And then the nine one one company realized he was in a different county, so they transferred him, and it took another three minutes. She said, "This is the this is your future ahead of you, folks." And you know, I just one story from Austin, Texas, but we have a critical situation, and this is going to dovetail nicely into what uh, Dan Hills is going to be talking about. We got an officer; I believe he went to a domestic violence call and heard screaming and yelling, and got concerned and called for officer backup, and called for officer backup, and dispatch was there. And they sent out a signal, hey, we need officer, officer needs assistance, officer needs assistance. You know what happened? Nothing. Paul Brown Stadium got the police officers. I guess Joe Burrow needed uh, personal protection or something like that. And over to the uh, Fetterman-Oz debate, Uh, they rolled out White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, which is always a comical moment. I don't know i don't miss peppermint saki too much because uh Cream jean pierre is the gift that keeps on giving from a comedy level anyhow <laughs> she was asked about how biden perceives the um john fetterman candidate the candidate himself and you know how this race has been going she claimed that biden thinks he's impressive in personal conversations that the president has had with the lieutenant governor, the pre, of course, Fetterman, president has found him to be an impressive, incredibly bright, and talented person who's just as capable, as always, to carry the duties of his office, and that is what the president has observed himself. Hmm. I guess I'm wondering, this is probably a pre-debate analysis by the president. reporter asked her if if Biden believes Fetterman should release his medical records. Uh, She she passed on that one. So I've been asked this question, and I leave that over to the lieutenant governor to make that decision. Well, he already did. He's not going to do it. He said it the other day. I've had a conversation with my doctor. I'm fine. You guys go to hell when it comes to my medical records. He could end the problem, just hand him over, but he doesn't want to. Uh, Tuesday night, Jean-Pierre in the Situation Room said that Biden has no— Concerns about Fetterman. None. Zero. Quote You have said that the president finds the Pennsylvania Democrat Senate candidate John Fetterman to be impressive and capable individual. After last night's debate, does he have any concerns about Fetterman? That question posed by none other than Wolf Blitzer. Her response not at all. Look, Fetterman, as we know, uh, he's also lieutenant governor. Thanks for that, Madam Press Secretary. He's been able to serve in that role. Yes, well, he was able to serve in that role. Not, you know, very well, I suppose, depending on your political perspective. But that was up until the stroke. She went on. He, uh, he's he been able to serve in that role. He is. I've also, I've also said the president sees him as an authentic advocate for the middle class. And that matters. And so the president has been with lieutenant governor for quite some time over the past several months. Hmm. So, at least Joe Biden, struggling also with his own cognitive issues, um, doesn't have too much of a problem with Fetterman. And, you know, I don't know if you saw the debate. The, this is really a great illustration of illustration of how biased the media are in favor of Democrats. I mean, you don't need necessarily another illustration, but this one was just side-splitting. I mean, depending on which leftist an outlet you go to, some of the papers, some of the commentators, op-ed pieces, opinion uh, Uh, editorial boards, the ladies on The View. Talking first off, what a wonderful job that he did. Some rating Fetterman's performance better than Oz's during the debate, which is also side-splittingly funny in and of itself. That's a giant red flag, isn't it? It's like Baghdad Bob, nothing to see here. We're winning, you know, okay, as the tanks roll by. Ah, no, we're all, everything's fine. Uh, It's that much of a joke. But then they also attacked Menman Oz for uh, uh going after Fetterman or treating him uh, uncivilly or 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 in a rude manner in essence, piling on him because of his cognitive struggles did did anybody else see anything remotely like that? I mean, everything I had read uh, was you know as praise for him for being so reserved and not going on attack for, over his cognitive issues. So the spin factor on this one is just. Again, side splittingly funny. It's a great outlier. You know, sometimes they're really good at massaging things to their side of the political uh, viewpoint, making it, you know, plausible arguments for why they conclude one person did better than another or one policy is better than another. But this one, no reasonable, objective person like Switzerland, for example, staring at this race could conclude that Fetterman did a good job. I mean, the fracking answer and question answer alone was enough you know dude you've got nine thousand times in your past where you said absolutely no fracking zero zip not and never going to happen not going to do it blah 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 here are my green credentials and then one night during debate you can stand up there and just go 180 degrees in the opposite direction and while doing that stumble over yourself miserably that question wasn't discussed in advance of the debate with your team you didn't sit down with them and talk you're gonna get asked about fracking man it's gonna happen how are you planning on responding to it here read this reply and they sure like you know Biden's handlers behind the scenes writing out all the answers to his questions ahead of time and of course feeding him the questions ahead of time so he's at least prepared He can screw up and do that, but do you think that even happened with Fetterman? Does he have a team that said, "John, sit down and let's 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 work through an answer on this"? Because simply repeating over and over again, "I've never been against fracking," I am I am I am a big fan of fracking. When you've got just a demonstrated long history of saying exactly the opposite, that does not fly well at all and i can't imagine as we all struggle as we move into winter and i've got some terrible news in terms of fuel and uh, mm, the shortages the the direction things are going to go it's just all bad if you're champion of the little class and champion of the underdog and champion of the little guy the downtrodden of the weak masses and all that uh (laughs) taking away gas from the equation only makes their lives that much more miserable Got to be prepared for stuff like that. He clearly was not. 517-55KRCD Talk Station. 513-749-5500-800-823-TALK. 500, 800, Pound 550 on at and phones. Love to hear from you if you got something to say. 522 our krcd Talk Station. 522-55KRCD <clears throat> Talk Station. Always remember 55KRCD.com when you can't listen live. I really enjoyed my conversation with Terry Vaughn with his book, Not With My Daughter. Yeah. If you are a parent of a young lady, uh, first off, establish a good relationship when they're young and then parlay that into uh, a thoughtful analysis of your daughter's potential dates, which is where now With My Daughter comes in. It requires some measure of foundation in advance, but as Terry explained, there are certain telltale signs you should look for as a dad. Uh, while you have, I guess, your shotgun laying over your lap. We joked about that a little bit as well. Uh got the Supreme Court cases class tonight, Empower You Seminar, the information on my blo- information on my blog page, 55krc.com. We got Joseph Ashbrook talking about the five most influential and important Supreme Court cases, a couple of which we went through during the during the conversation yesterday. You can podcast that. And Betsy is gonna be talking about the work of the domestic relations court. Maybe a little bit more involved in domestic relations than you might imagine. I used to work there, and I just absolutely love my time back in the 80s. And tell you what, things have dramatically changed since then. Judge InterNapolitano on the Student Loan Forgiveness and Race uh, podcast. And then there's still that Camp Lejeune water lawsuit information from earlier in the week. If you're a veteran you spent 30 days or more or a veteran's family in the Camp Lejeune area, then uh, you may be eligible for a cash compensation if you became ill. So some good sound advice there, and it's all available at 55carec.com. Stream the audio there as well. Uh, going back to uh, Karine Jean-Pierre yesterday in the Situation Room with CNN. She said the Inflation Reduction Act is going to deal with health care, lower premiums, making sure that Medicare can actually negotiate lower costs for seniors. The first thing that Republicans have said they want to do is get rid of it. Well, they certainly want to get rid of 87,000 IRS agents uh, crawling up our respective sphincters. I say, again, turn them loose on the federal government. Audit the federal government's expenditures before they start coming and micromanaging our uh, finances. Anyway, she, she was asked by, I guess, uh, Wolf Blitzer, who made a point of saying, um, well, they're not, going, they're not taking effect now. She said that they'll take effect next year. Early next year, you'll see energy costs. She said, but they're not taking effect now.
4: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
5: Her response, I love this. But
3: here's the thing. The thing that we are doing right now is showing that we are listening to the American people. We have to remember this president, that he grew up in Scranton, that he understands what his parents were dealing with when they were around the kitchen table trying to figure out how they were going to make ends meet. And we know that's what American families across the country are dealing with right now, which is a particularly interesting way to end the sentence since she said in just the previous comments, that the Inflation Reduction Act, to the extent it does anything to reduce inflation, and nobody with a straight face suggests that it will. But it will do something, and that's something that it will do, in addition to funding all these green projects, it will do next year at some point. And as Jean Pierre obviously acknowledges, you and I and everybody are dealing with realities right now. What are you doing to help me right now? I'm not quite sure there's anything we can necessarily do, but you know, just got to wait for it. But they're virtue signaling. They're listening to you. They understand, and they're trying to show you that they get it. Well, I'll tell you what: if you're going to show me you get something, why don't you show me a bill that actually addresses the key components of why inflation is so bad, which would be the antithesis of what you passed in the Inflation Reduction Act, which is just another chunk of New Deal, new uh, Green New Deal proposals. Free up the drilling, free up the gas, free up the idea of building nuke plants. Just come up with some reliable, safe, inexpensive energy solutions, and we will all smile. 526-55K, City Talk Station. Uh, Let us get to some local stories next. Happy to do that. First, I want to mention Accent because I just am so impressed by what they have done all around, literally all around. 503-749-5500-800-823-TALK. Let's head over to the phones. Guess we got to start our day off as is uh, tradition. Tom, welcome to the show, my friend.
2: Good morning. I am fired up today. Uh, I got two two separate things I want to hit on. Uh, what one is? What what is the what is the word? The first word comes to mind. If you want to trigger a Democrat, you want to set them in your race, What word would you use? Trump. Trump. Exactly. So I see an ad yesterday for Tim Ryan. And not only did I want to throw up when well, he points to the American flag and says, that's our team. Um, he, at the end of the commercial, he takes credit for voting along with Trump on trade. <laughs> now, that desperation, when it, it, it's bad enough when a Republican or a Rhino that is not endorsed by Trump uses Trump or Trump kind of stuff, but a Democrat is actually invoking the name of Trump in a political ad, that's desperation. The other one is this uh, transgender person that interviewed Joe Biden recently. Yeah, and was uh, it Dylan Dylan Mulvaney? This dude got these videos about you know being a girl or whatever. And in one of the, I'm gonna you probably have already read this, but I don't know who's all heard this, but this just made me want to Uh So the transgender activists called for the public to normalize women. To normalize women having visible bulges in their crotches—that's that—I that, I, I can't, I, I can't anymore, Brian. I, this is ridiculous. Well, oh. What, what the hell is this coming to, man? I—I
3: I, I don't know, Tom. I honestly don't. I don't <laughs> no, normalize.
2: Like normal all right, on so, the verge so, of Total chaos.
3: Let me, let me get this straight. The—the the point is that. If there is a person standing in front of you with a a, a, a bulge in their pants, and obviously we're referring to the, the, the penis and testicles, and it, and it is visible, and they stare at you and say with a straight face that I'm a woman, that is supposed to be normal and we're not supposed to take into account the bulge in the pants, which is clearly a penis and testicles. Right. Isn't
2: that, isn't
3: that like insane? Well, you, you it- Mira, Tom, let, let, let me just try to talk you off the ledge here. Merely because they ask you to suspend reality and exist in a state of complete denial uh, and, and, and support that reality, it doesn't mean you have to or that it makes it right or normal. Um there are crazy people espousing all kinds of crazy theories and ideas each and every day of our lives. Some of them, you know, are in mental institutions. They've been locked up and they're getting cared for and the requisite psychological help that they obviously need. Some people believe there's more than one person roaming around in their body. They like to be called they and them. These are struggles that they're working with. It doesn't require you to suspend your own reality and go along with what they say.
2: Well, the problem where it comes to you, there's a lot of wackos out there. Where of it course gets to me is this is someone that our president allowed to interview him, and, and this I, I, that's, that's well, where it becomes a problem. Well, no, because no, not necessarily, in the Tom. You're, so.
3: you're looking at it the wrong way. Where are the Democrats presently relative to the November election? They're losing ground. Where are they relative to African Americans and Hispanics? as communities typically align with the democratic party they're losing ground one of the main reasons i argue that they're losing ground is this ridiculous woke ideology when it comes to sexuality and all these different gender classes so if you have the leader of the free world spending time out of his day, dealing not with world affairs, you know, potential nuclear war, etc., domestic crisis, inflation, all the things that you and I care about, crime, and wants to sit down and spend time with a transgender activist who espouses these types of feelings, just sit back and smile, recognizing that it helps the Republican Party a lot, and it helps conservative values a lot.
2: Which is why I make a point of bringing it up. Because that's just crazy. we got to do something about it. we got to get rid of these people. Please, if you're listening to me, don't vote Democrat. Thanks, Brian. Have a good one.
3: Take care of yourself, Tom. Yeah, just view it as a good thing. (laughs) Laugh at it, mock it, refuse to abide, and point out who's leading the charge on all this nonsense. Uh, Yeah, the Democrats. Not all of them, mind you. That's why you got a lot of otherwise would vote for uh, Democrat people not wanting to vote for Democrats this time around. Odor exit won't get rid of the stench of politics or anything related to Fox Station. Five forty one on a Friday Eve and a happy one to you. Gonna get into the stack of stupid here. Brian Thomas, host of the fifty five K C Morning Show, along with Joe Strucker, who's executive producer, doing a great job. Dan Hills, FOP president, coming up in less than an hour at the bottom of the next hour to talk about yeah, police resources. <laughs> and the appropriate or lack of propriety in the allocation of those resources. Anyway, uh, speaking of police, let's start the stack is stupid in Salinas, California, where an off-duty officer accidentally shot through his own hand and then sadly hit and killed a 20-year-old man last week, according to the Salinas Police Department, Santa Cruz officer Francisco Vill- uh, Villancana, was cleaning his personal gun. It's on Friday around uh, quarter to six in the evening near the 1500 block of Antelope Drive. He mistakenly fired the single round that killed Luis Alfredo Ferro Sanchez, according to the uh, release. Officers arrived at the scene. They found uh, Villancana with a gunshot wound to his hand, and uh, Ferrero Sanchez got one in his upper torso, both taken to the hospital, where, of course, Ferro Sanchez died. Police didn't say whether the two men knew each other. They said the incident appears to be an accident, but the case is going to be investigated by the district attorney. Bill Encana was the one who reported the incident to police. Uh, he had been with the uh, Santa Cruz Depli- Police Department since February of this year, placed on leave while the case is reviewed. I, you know, every time I hear a story about someone getting killed while cleaning their firearm, especially an officer of the law, I always ask myself, how is that possible? I have never in my life cleaned a loaded firearm. You're supposed to take all the bullets out of it and check the chamber to make sure the firearm's empty. You know, just this common sense safety practice kind of stuff. Eh, Yeah, maybe it's just too annoying to follow through that. Anyway. Ah, We go to Bullhead City, Arizona. Never even heard of the place. Bullhead. Arizona grandma who was arrested for feeding homeless people has sued the city. March, 78-year-old Norma Thornton. Arrested for giving food to the homeless in Bullhead City, the city laws said you can't give food to the homeless people in public.
5: Dude, what the
3: hell? Yeah, that doesn't sound right, does it? Is it fly in the face of, uh, well, I don't know, Judeo-Christian values? Golly. Thornton's attorneys filed a lawsuit as part of a push nationwide to let people feed those in need a uh, person named Suranjan San with the Institute for Justice filed a federal lawsuit against the city, claiming the law violates the right to serve. This is a case about kindness, they wrote. Bullet City is criminalized kindness. The city council passed an ordinance that makes it a crime punishable by four months' imprisonment to share food in public parts for charitable purposes. Thornton apparently owned a restaurant for a lot of years before retiring in Arizona, and after that, she used her cooking skills to give back to the poor. 2021, though, is when that became illegal. At a city council meeting, the city attorney made it crystal clear, at least according to the attorney, you may host a pizza party in the park for 50 people or 100 people. Invite friends. Invite strangers. You may do it all every day so long as your motivation is something other than to help people in need.
6: I don't make the rules, ma'am. I just think them
3: up and write them down. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, Joe. Third said she was a bit shocking, hard to process at the time she got arrested. She goes, still, I thought of it was kind of a joke. Someone was like playing a prank until I was put in the back of a police car. She claims she did nothing wrong in court. She goes, I've always believed that when you have plenty, you should share. Kind of sermon on the mounty there, isn't it? 545, 55K or CD talk station. 513-749-5500. Station. 551 55 care City Talk Station. Yeah, I got a reading from Joe on that. What's the difference between partly cloudy and a mix of sun and clouds? And he said nothing. That's kind of the way I read it, too. So maybe just partly cloudy, partly cloudy, partly cloudy. Just a thought. Back over to the stack. of stupid. good to Glendale, Arizona. Police in Alabama, or Alabama, rather. Police in Alabama working to track down an ATM it was stolen by thieves through the use of a forklift. According to Gardendale Police Chief Scott what? Banks, suspects used the forklift to steal the ATM from the region's bank. Happened around 5 o'clock in the morning. Police were able to recover the machinery used in the heist. The ATM is still missing, though. That is one hell of a large uh, a forklift. that they Phrasing? I got to ask myself this question out loud. Uh don't ATMs have like GPS trackers in them? And if they don't, why wouldn't they? I've read about ATM thefts a lot. People actually drive a truck up, grab an ATM, yank it out of the wall, throw it in the back of the truck and drive off with it and just spend the next 5 days trying to break into it because they're, apparently they're pretty secure, but if there was an ATM or if there was a GPS tracking uh in there, um like I don't know, stick an Apple iTag in there. I think you'd be able to find it make it easy all right we go to Florida Deland Florida where a Florida dollar general employee's been arrested for allegedly pouring bleach into his co-workers' drink this after an argument Dude, what the <sighs> Jerome heck? Ellis a Deland dollar general employee arrested in charge of poisoning food or water and tampering with evidence this after a video surveillance showed him pouring bleach into his co-worker's can of Pepsi earlier this week. Ellis and the victim reportedly had gotten into an argument the day before the victim told police he believed Ellis was holding a grudge against him. Ooh. Man told deputies he placed the Pepsi he was drinking on the counter. And before going to the restroom, never leave your drink unattended. When he came back and uh, took a drink, he said it tasted like bleach or cleaning supplies. Deputies showed up, checked his video out. Video surveillance showed Ellis pouring the bleach into the Pepsi can while the victim was in the bathroom. He reportedly wiped the can off, walked away, and came back to spit in the drink. Ellis initially speaking with deputies said there was no argument between him and the victim and that he went behind the counter with the cleaning solution and spilled some in that general area. (sighs) Video footage also showed Ellis attempting to unplug the camera system. He was confronted with the video uh, footage, and Ellis then told deputies he had put some cleaning solution around the brim of the drink to get back at the victim for being difficult to work with. Yeah, he got booked into the Volusia County Jail. Here he is, the biggest douche of the universe. In all the galaxies, there's no bigger douche than you. Well... There was a bigger douche than that guy. That was the guy that urinated into the various water bottles and uh, water uh, uh, tanks at the uh, the place of business that we read about last week, Joe. Levels of, shall we say, douchebaggery? Is that what that is? Man uh, allegedly vandalized a police station and then set fire inside. This happened on Wednesday. Incident occurred three uh, three fifty a.m. in the lobby of the police station on Forty East Latham Avenue. This is uh, in Hemet, California. Suspect suspect identifies twenty five year old Brian Alfaro of Fontana. Went to the lobby of the station, allegedly vandalized the lobby wall using a sharp object to scratch letters and shapes into the drywall. Surveillance video uh, uh, officers saw, and then responded. Before the officers could arrive, though, this guy had placed a stack of papers in a slot between the glass portion and and lit them on fire. He then ran into the street while the fire spread to the front counter of the station. Responding officers chased him outside while one officer remained inside and extinguished the flames. Resisted officers' arrest as they tried to get him into custody, began fighting with them. He During the struggle, punched one of the officers and tried to remove the officer's handgun from its holster. He was eventually overpowered, taken into custody. He received a minor laceration above his left eye. Arrested on suspicion of assault, arson, attempted to disarm a police officer in in, in jail on a $50,000 bond. The aristocrat. Amen to that. Speaking of things police, we'll hear from Dan Hills, FOP police, on the allocation of very and growing scarce officer resources. What's more important?
4: Purchase necessary. Volleyball prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? Well, you could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run big appliances like your fridge even longer. And best of all, the new solar generator is fume free, safe to use inside.
3: helping an officer that needs assistance on a uh, domestic violence run or something along those lines, or having them mill about outside uh, formerly Paul Brown Stadium. 606 here at 55 Pear City Talk Station. And a very happy Friday Eve to you. Brian Thomas, happy to be here. Glad to have Joe Strecker in there, executive producer. Taking care of the phones of the board, lining up guests, bottom of the hour, Dan Hills, uh, what's important to protect you. Insofar as police protection is concerned, you, uh, fellow officers, or hanging out around the Bengals game at the formerly known as Paul Brown Stadium. I'm not going to call it by its new name. At least I'm going to try to avoid that. Uh, One hour after Dan Hills joins the program, joining the program, Christopher Smithman. Got a few days left to vote. Got to push him over the finish line. At least that would be my hope. And seriously hope that you do consider voting for Christopher Smithman. He said... I think an outstanding candidate with the right skills and the knowledge about the issues they're going to be dealing with here in Hamilton County, notably the stadium deal. Yeah, that and the Metropolitan Sewer District deal, which has just been a real thorn in both the county and the city's relationship side for how many years now has this been going on? Christopher knows all about it, have been on council, so we'll see what he has to say at 7.30. Rebecca Serdendorf. Surindorf, rather, uh, co-chair Ohioans for Child Protection. They advocate for increased legal protection and avenues toward justice for child sexual abuse victims. It's the most heinous crime that I can even come up with. I'm glad that she's doing this for them, and we're going to learn about their uh, what they do day in and day out, and get some updates from Rebecca at 8:05. And of course, it being Thursday, 8:30, that means Jay Ratliff, I heard media aviation expert. Apparently, some of the airlines are not making money. I mean, some seriously. Increased profits out there. Not all of them doing well. We'll hear about that. We got Department of Transportation complaints going through the roof compared to pre pandemic numbers. I guess people figured out how to make a complaint to the Department of Transportation. Jay lets us know about the number and how you get in touch with them if you want to make a complaint. I guess word's gotten around. Or do you think that the complaint, the reason for the complaints, the number of underlying issues has actually increased that much? Or are people just a little bit more sensitive and want to turn in and make complaints? Maybe Jay has the answer to that one. Maybe you have the answer, or maybe you want to
1: <laughs> hey.
3: We would like to call. I'd love to hear from you. Area code 513 749 5500 800 823 Talk. Go with pound five fifty on your ATT phones. Uh phones. Uh I, I a lot of inflation out there. Of course, that's the biggest one of the biggest thorns in the Biden administration side. Cost of things. I got I got a big kick out of Nancy Pelosi. She it's not in place it's not inflation that's the problem. It's the cost of things huh yeah what if inflation is going to manifest itself someplace it's certainly going to manifest itself in the cost of what you're paying and if you've been out buying Halloween candy uh, make sure you get me some Butterfingers but uh, be prepared to pay a lot more from it Uh, it, a a lot of really a huge increase in in Halloween candy increased by 13.1 percent from last year It's pointed out that there's nothing anybody can do about it in spite of the fact that the left is going out after the likes of, say, Mars candy bars and the Mars company because of record profits that happened during the pandemic. That's because people bought records amount of candy. However, the reason the candy has gone up so much, is not because they're making that much more in profit. There's been a surge in production costs, increased price for sugar, milk, flour, Labor Department reporting it sugar is up 14.4%. Milk is up fifteen point two percent. Flour is up twenty-four point two percent. Apparently there's a problem with the sugar beet crop. Drought in sugar beets. Turning to Forbes, they said since sugar beets require fertilizer. Ah, there's that all-important fertilizer. Yes, responsible for reducing the amount of starvation in the globe. It also is a petroleum product, so the green people. Hate it. There will be no food for you. And with an increase in the price of fertilizer that beets need in order to live, thrive, and survive, and, well, grow in abundance, uh, you don't have that. So you got beet issues for the sugar beets, also supply chain issues, inflation generally speaking, and that has resulted in American farmers planting fewer sugar beets in order to save on cost. Hmm. if you want to look at specific, I, apparently there's a Wall Street Journal article on this. Starburst bars have increased 35%. Skittles bars have jumped 42%. Both are made by the aforementioned Mars Incorporated. fun size Snickers bars currently selling for $12 on Amazon. It was only $5 a year ago. Also on Amazon, apparently Sour Patch Kids now selling for almost $17. It was $12 last year. Then you can factor into that. Another thing they're reporting on is the, the ever-present and growing problem with shrink fla- uh, Breitbart citing, actually Washington Post citing a couple of uh, illustrations on this. Uh, dark chocolate Hershey's Kisses are two ounces smaller than previously. Probably coming with a larger price tag, too. So it's you're getting a double whammy on that one. The individual Reese's Peanut Butter Cup are a tenth of an ounce smaller. And Cadbury chocolate bars are now 10% smaller. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, this funny thing is because in in our neighborhood, we have a neighborhood Facebook page, and one of the parents of some of the younger children said, our, our kids will not be trick-or-treating this year. Uh, they'll be going over to a friend's house and trick-or-treating in another neighborhood. So... <laughs> they wanted to know if anybody else is going to be trick-or-treating it sounds to me like the doorbell will not ring that was what i posted on the uh, facebook response i said well miss having those kids around because we always get a kick out of the one or two doorbells that get rung in our neighborhood but that just means more butterfingers for me right what else is going on oh speaking of children i think about children in halloween of course uh, they're reporting a, an increase in hospitalization of children. Now, you may think, oh, now here we go with COVID again. Eh, that's only a tiny part of it. There are fo- This uh, an NBC News article is focusing on a place called Comer Children's Hospital. It's up in Chicago. They claim to have been full now, full, completely full for about six weeks, emergency room volume up 150%. And I, as I was reading through this report, I was like, okay, we're going to get another COVID warning. Oh, my God, we're all going to die. Lockdown time. Put your mask back on. But no, apparently not. It's a whole variety of things that are, that are happening. RSV is apparently going around a lot. Respiratory syncytial virus causes lung infections. But it's not just that. RSV is all over the place, and there's been a lot of reporting on that. RSV, respiratory uh, syncytial virus on the rise. Symptoms mild, sometimes like a common cold, running nose, nose, cough and sneezing. Young children and older adults, it can cause more severe illnesses like bron- uh, bronchiolitis and pneumonia. So it can be bad. But along with that, they report doctors are also seeing cases of rhinovirus, enterovirus, and and, of course, the omnipresent coronavirus Fall surge in respiratory viruses among children. About three-quarters of pediatric hospital beds nationwide are now full, according to the Department of Health and Human Services. So they're all trying to deal with contingency plans for this. Uh, Amoxicillin, by the way, the antibiotic, it's also reportedly uh, in short supplies. You can add that to your Adderall shortage. And what I thought was rather interesting. Researchers are reporting that exercise, in the words of the reporter Gretchen Reynolds, exercise could amplify the benefits of your next coronavirus vaccination or or, or vaccination or booster, even if you schedule that shot weeks or months from now. Exercise works. A, a study involved 200,000 men and women in South Africa found coronavirus vaccination effectively prevented severe illness in most of them. But it worked best in people who exercised regularly, 25% less likely to be hospitalized with COVID than sedentary people, even though they all received the same thing, the same vaccine. According to the uh, family sports medicine doctor at Kaiser Permanente uh, Fontana Medical Center, California, Robert Salas, he said, I think this study adds to the growing evidence that along with vaccinations, daily physical activity is the single most important thing you can do to prevent severe COVID-19 outcomes. Now, I think you can get rid of the word severe COVID-19 out, but, uh, outcomes and just put anything in there. Exercise is good for you. It's good for your immune system. It takes you out of the comorbid category, which is really why I think more what this study reflects. Research in the past year has shown that being active and fit substantially lowers your risk of becoming seriously ill if you develop COVID. This study, for instance, of almost 50,000 Californians, the one that led by that Robert Salas guy I just mentioned, Californians who tested positive the coronavirus before vaccines were available, and that's why I emphasize that because it. mm, What do healthy people, how do healthy people experience COVID, and how do they react versus those who haven't taken care of themselves? Though those who had regularly walked or otherwise worked out before falling ill, about half as likely to need hospitalization as sedentary people. Now I just say all this because I'm waiting for the administration to start pointing that out because Joe Biden was just telling you you need to get vaccine, you need to get a new vaccine the other day sitting there getting his own shot telling the the world nearly every death is preventable go get updated get your updated covid shot now's the time to do it by halloween if you can virtually every covid death in america is preventable he said really with a vaccine that doesn't prevent you from contracting covid virtually everyone almost everyone who will die from covid this year would not be up to date on their shots uh, no, virtually everyone who's going to die from COVID this year, like in years past, probably has a comorbidity. Again, the study about exercises predated the vaccine study. Oh, and look at this, a study from the CDC, yes, we all favorite, found that more than 75% of COVID-19 deaths, going back to Joe Biden's warning you about death, 75% of COVID-19 deaths in fully vaccinated people had occurred among those with at least four comorbidities. Now, I wonder if the world would react the same to an administration that issued edicts and mandates and uh, well, pretext for job for employment, that you had to be healthy and exercise. You couldn't have a comorbid condition if you have one and there's something you can do about it by way of physical exercise or or otherwise that you need to do something like that as a condition of employment. Maybe uh, insurance companies will start rating you based upon how well you take care of yourself, what your alcohol intake is, how much you uh, eat every day, how overweight are you, how high is your blood pressure. They started rating that way, the way they do for um, automobiles. For example, if you have a poor driving record, guess what? You're going to pay more. I think people would actually scream bloody murder over that. How dare you tell me how to live my life? How dare you tell me how much I can eat or how much I can weigh? How How dare you? How dare you? An, an edict, a mandate for employment based upon these comorbid conditions that I've led myself to? That is preposterous. What about freedom and liberty? What about my personal choice in the matters? Hmm. That'd be a stark contrast to people's reactions to the COVID 19 vaccine mandates, I would think. Six eighteen fifty five 55 Talk Station, 513 749 5500 800 823 Talk. Hit pound 550 on ATT phones and station. 624 55 KCD talk station. I got a quick Orwell Minis- Ministry of Truth update. <laughs> uh, first, go to the United Nations. We have the uh, Belgian legal scholar Oliver De Schutter appointed the UN Special Rapporteur on the on extreme poverty and human rights by the Human Rights Council. Yeah, that Human Rights Council that has a bunch of uh, evil countries on it that are well conv- that are guilty of genocide, like the Uyghurs. Anyway, The Guardian reporting on this one. This De Schutter person. Once povertyism—it's a brand new word—you've never heard of it, probably. Povertyism to be included in the anti-discrimination laws, which uh, include like sexism, racism, ageism, and ableism. You're disabled. You're old. You're uh, uh, subject to racism, or your gender is uh, subject to some sort of um, discrimination. Povertyism is defined, at least in his mind, the minds of the Orwell Ministry of Truth folks that make this crap up, prejudice against the poor. And it's pointed out a poor person is not stuck being poor. A poor person can become rich. Rich people quite often can become poor. It just depends on the roll of the dice, the cosmic roll of the dice, how you live your life, what you do. Sometimes forces outside of your control influence you and you become rich or poor, and sometimes it's just your own uh, the reality of what you've done and how you've conducted your life. You can't get rid of the other ones. Woman can't become a man and avoid sexism. An elderly person cannot become young. You get the idea. Povertyism, just add that to your de- uh, definition list because uh, you're gonna be hearing a lot more of it. Also, and this one I found particularly bizarre, Apparently, using the word globalist is perceived by some fringe elements, crazy people, as anti Semitic. Hmm. We got to find one person in the world for this one. Marie van der Zijl, president of the British Deputies of British Jews, said anti Semitism experts, such as the Anti Defamation League, identify as the word globalist is a common anti Semitic trope. Based on conspiracy theories about international Jewish power, politicians should avoid using the term particularly when referring specifically to Jewish individuals.
4: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. You know what? You get to that? Whatever. Whatever. 626. 55 C D. 55 K C D Talk Station. Hope you're having a decent Friday Eve. I am, and I always enjoy talking to FOP President Dan Hills. Chapter 69. That's the union for the Cincinnati Police Department and always appreciate his absolute candor in his online social media posts, and he uh, had one the other day that I thought was worth exploring, and I appreciate Joe lining him up for the program this morning. Dan, welcome back, my friend. It's good to hear from you. Hey, Brian. It's always good to be on with your audience. Um, When you are an on-duty police officer and you need assistance, is that a call that that an officer takes lightly, in other words, officer needs assistance? That's a call into dispatch to say, "Get another officer over here. I need help right
1: yeah that's uh, that is that's the big one that's the one that uh you know you get trained from the time you're in the academy um, you throw down everything else that you're doing and uh, you go and that's uh you know that's how we. You know physically survive, but also mentally survive out there is knowing that uh, hey, if if, if uh, I need some help, my brother and sister is coming and they're coming fast and they're coming no matter what. So um, you know uh, you uncuff bad guys, you don't finish your meal, you um, it, it, when, when it comes time and somebody really needs some help, you you uh, you don't finish a report, you do whatever it takes to uh, get there. And and prevent them from getting uh, seriously injured or or worse. And uh, and so that's that's a call we don't take lightly. Uh, you don't even <clears throat> you know you don't even say that unless you really really need help. And in some cases, I think in this one here, um, I think the the dispatcher went ahead and will will make it an assistance, even though the officer doesn't say those words because dispatchers are smart. They work with us all the time. They know we don't like to actually say those words, but when you keep saying, have them expedite, have them expedite, and you hear tons and tons of screaming in the background, Um, and the other facts that this officer was giving, which was uh, that that he had a three-year-old with a gunshot wound to the head, you know that this officer is in the most uh, volatile of of scenes possible. And I've seen the body-worn camera. And, Brian, I'd like to unsee the body or camera of this officer and what he experienced and what he was, you know, experiencing at the time. And he needed some help. And um, there ain't nobody out there to, to, to come to these assistance runs in some cases. And I knew this was going to happen. And thank God to this point it hasn't happened uh, to the, to the extreme that I'm most worried about, uh, obviously the, the, the most extreme I'm worried about is that a policeman's going to get killed Brian, Yeah, right? Yeah. because they don't have enough, they don't have enough backup there. And, right. you know, I just, I hate to go up. Oh, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, I could be the one critical piece of information for those that are just tuning in, because I already alluded to it as, uh, as the show has progressed up to this point. The patrol supervisor, the patrol unit who responded to the dispatch. The dispatch says respond for an accident with injuries. The patrol unit we're talking about here, the individual officer. I can't. I'm scheduled for a Bengals traffic post. Was the now, patro- These are
1: two separate thing. These are two separate uh, things, Brian. I'm uh, in my post. If uh, that wasn't clear, the the one I'm describing happened in District Three. That's the first one I started off with. That was uh,
3: described to me by
1: some officers.
3: That was the one on the east side Uh, of town. Yeah, you separated. You started with the the, one on the west Well, the way you have it allocated, I'm looking at your post right now. On the west side of town, dispatch to patrol unit. Respond for an accident with injuries. Patrol unit, I can't. I'm scheduled for Bengals traffic post. Patrol supervisor, that is correct. He has to go downtown. Hold the accident with injuries. Then you pivot that's over, the to, the, okay. then you pivot over to the east church. side. That's where you have the child with a gunshot wound to the head.
1: Correct. Yeah, these are two totally separate incidents. So the, uh, the, 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 the one I'll call it a little more routine, uh, an accident for, with injuries. That happens often. We get dispatched for accident with injuries. Um, you're okay. authorized lights and sirens for that, but it's not the officer needs assistance type of front. Okay. But uh, that's back to the holding runs, holding runs that our citizens need us for. Um, and because uh, we're going to the Bengals, we going the, to the, the Bengals. Really dramatic one, yeah. The really dramatic one was later, right. and it was after the right. Bengals game. This, this second one.
3: All right, we're real tight um, on time, was, so let's. Before you get to the details on that one, because these are two separate, but it's an officer shortage problem we're talking about here. Let's pause. Correct. We'll get to the details of the the gunshot wound case because I've got to keep the lights on, and I want to mention uh, Suzette Lozakamp to do that. Suzette Lozakamp at Union Bank. She'll handle the Talk Station. 6:41 coming up at 6:42. 55 krcd Care CD Talk Station. Brian Thomas here with Dan Hills from the Cincinnati Police Department's uh, Union. Okay, so we have basically, I think, your two scenarios: the officer needs assistance, and the uh, gunshot wound. Uh, we're, you're talking about the limited number of officers out there. The fact that the officers that are still on the on job have been working a lot of overtime. They're burned out, and it's difficult to find officers to you know fill in doing even more overtime. Uh, what's the point on, on the Bengals? Are the Bengals paying extra for yeah, play- let me. Uh,
1: there, there's a lot of information, so uh, let me kind of get the background. <clears throat> so uh, on, on Bengals Sundays, um, the, the, the Bengals don't pay for um, – they pay for the details that are inside the stadium when they can fill all those, but they don't pay for anything outside of the stadium. So they pull for release for the uh, criminal defense – I'm sorry – the uh, Civil Defense Response Team (CDRT) they pull from the release to man SWAT because you have to have both of those on standby, and I think there might even be NFL standards on that. But then they start to pull people for traffic posts, and so they pull from the release, they pull from the neighborhood. I think it's eight cops um, for pregame and eight cops for after the game, and so hours get adjusted and everything else. In the end, day shift and second shift in the in the districts goes down to bare minimum to where they have almost nobody and the priority is the bangles and that's the part that's the real hypocrisy for me from uh, let's call it the left who's in control of the city of cincinnati remember when they were always against the rich man you know the rich man the rich man we we, we, we stand against uh caring about the the big business and the rich man well here they bend over backwards for the billionaire Bengals. The billionaire NFL owners. I don't know if it's like this in other cities. I heard in other cases it's not, um, but they have to supply all this from on-duty people who are supposed to be servicing the people in the neighborhoods, not servicing, um, you know, this 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 group that could obviously pay for off-duty police
2: officers. Uh-huh.
1: Now, my point my point about off-duty police officers is. Sometimes in the past, I don't know if it's happened this year, we've actually had to bring some of our on-duty people into the stadium because people won't sign up for these details anymore. And the thing about the details are is if you leave that rate open, that the Bengals fill it no matter what, knowing that they have to fill it no matter what, yes, our cops aren't signing up for the stuff on their off days. Yes, they're not signing up for it because maybe they want to sit home and watch the Bengals game for their family, but they'll have a price at some point. So that's why I said – if you got to fill it at uh, and time and a half won't work, a uh, rate, then the Bengals need to pay double time to bring the city and the county cops down there. And if double time doesn't work, then you do triple time because that's my understanding. That's what's happening in other NFL cities because everybody across the country is suffering police shortages. But well, the, the the thing is, is that the Madisonville, the Price Hill, these places are being left with something below a skeleton crew, and it's putting people's lives in danger. And nothing was, nothing demonstrated that more. The first, the first run I talked about, District Three, the west side, the traffic accident injuries, No, that guy had to go downtown. The boss knows. I got to get my Bengals detail down there, or I'm in hot water. That's the most. That's the priority is getting your cops down there for the Bengals detail. Nothing against the boss. That's what they've been told for years now. Yeah. You got to get them down there. So, but the thing in District Two. Was the was that awful awful thing that happened in uh, Madisonville, and that's when that officer went in there. Uh, he heard the screaming outside, but he bravely goes inside anyway. And while he's inside, um, there's absolute chaos. Uh, and like I said, I wish I could unsee that video. He's holding uh, he's holding the dead baby, um, a baby that's been shot in the head, oh, and the family's going into absolute chaos around him which you would expect, right? And he's saying, I need some backup. Why doesn't he have backup close? Like I just said, they pulled from the release for SWAT. They pulled from the release for CDRT. Even this incident, although it was after the Bengals game, hours have been adjusted typically and everything because they have to have all these people down there to direct traffic for the Bengals game. Hey, I like the Bengals. The wife and I, we watch the Bengals. It's, it's, it's a great event. It's great that the, the, the city has it. But we know that they're making money in some sort of obscene measures. And the city needs to stand up to them. This is the ultimate point. The city needs to stand up to them and say, look, I don't care what it costs to you. I know you have the money. That's my little comment about, you know, yep. one of their second-string offensive tackles, um, the second-stringer, guy on the practice squad, whatever they spend on him and in, in, in one week's worth of his salary is enough to probably pay triple time to to get all the police officers that they need down there, so they stop stealing them from the districts. So that that way, it's a little less likely that we'll have another situation like that. Right. That said, we don't have enough cops even before a Bengals game. That's the problem. Right? They're robbing. They're robbing from. They're robbing from neighborhoods that are already depleted. So it's it's a thing, and it just uh, I guess it's a, a, a question to you, brought When did When did the left, who supposedly is supposed to stand up to rich people, start kissing rich people's butts? And that's exactly what's going on here. They're giving them them all this free service that they should be paying for, they rightfully should be paying for.
3: Now, who could argue with that? Hold on for one more segment. I have a couple of follow-up questions and a quick question or two about my conversation with Betsy Sunderman about the search for the new chief Station dispensed with traffic and weathered in order to uh, have an extra minute or two here with FOP President Dan Hills. All right, Dan, can't argue with your point. Uh, It's important for the Bengals to cover their own traffic issues rather than allocate uh, valuable and limited police officer resources to dealing with traffic. I just got a quick question. I've been to a gazillion events in my life where there are no police, uniformed police officers dealing with traffic. Can't you hire private people to put a, you know, a, a conspicuity vest on and stand there and direct traffic? Do we need uniformed officers for that I, role? I believe when
1: you're talking about city streets, I think you're, you need, uh, you're supposed to have sworn individuals, and it works, at, it works out a lot better. But listen, this is the thing that's so strange. The Reds pay for it. They pay for their cops down to be down there in the area and do it. FC pays for it. Oh. Only Mike Brown somehow gets out of it. And I don't know why this has been going on and why it keeps getting worse. And at times, um, and it, it's just been confirmed to me, at times they don't have enough people inside the stadium and will bring on duty people in for that as well. Um, Mike, Mike Brown seems to be able to push a button over there at City Hall and say, I need this. And that's the thing. The, the, you know, this police officer went into this house. He felt the duty to go in this house. Technically, he probably should have stood outside and waited when he heard this absolute chaos going on. But, no, he was he was—he was brave, and he went in there to, to deal with it. There was still a gun running around that people were still handling in this house. Mm. Somebody had picked up a knife. He's in there saying, my gosh, I need some help. And the whole time he's holding <laughs> – it's just so sad. He was holding this baby, and, and he's waiting for fire. And, and he's trying to deal with this baby and see if he could do anything for this baby. And at the same time, he's leaving his rear totally out there hanging. And there's nobody around because of Mike Brown's bottom line. We're more worried about Mike Brown's bottom line for these Bengals games than we are about the safety and security of our police officers and the safety and security of our neighborhoods. That is that is the most wrong of all wrongs, and again, that's where I guess I'm asking yeah. the political question, Brian. When in the hell did the left start to – all they do is care about certain uh, you know, extremely rich folks, and I don't think there's anybody more extremely rich than the Brown family. The Brown family needs to pay for all these damn traffic posts. That's my point, period, to be the most point, you know, straight to the point as yeah. I can because we have such limited time.
3: Well, and honestly, Dan, as I hear you speaking, if they did pay double time, if they paid, you know, uh, double and a half time, whatever it took, triple time, what you'll be doing is getting officers who were off duty to go ahead and take that. But that would also that 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 would would voluntarily take it. You're not talking about, you know, just allocating and moving around active duty officer resources. It would be enough of a dangling carrot to get these overworked officers to accept those uh, uh, after hours uh, jobs at a decent pay, that pay would go to pad the retirement, uh, also, wouldn't it?
1: Well, no, that's if it's through the city check. When you're talking about the, the, the sliding scale like this, this would be a direct payment to them, so it would not, it would not affect taxpayer money or anything as far as pension payments. It would be directly the Brown family if it takes a hundred dollars an hour, and that, that's what I've heard. And like I said, none of this is confirmed, but I heard in Nashville and different places that they, they, they pay rates like that uh, to to get enough uh, police officers to sign up for these things off duty. So the guys that are on their off days or they worked last night and like I'm not gonna work to bangles detail for a straight time or time and a half, but if but everybody's got a price and yeah. once once they pay it, then again you're not gonna be robbing from the release as much. You're still taking because I think the NFL requires some sort of tactical team ready and all this stuff. The NFL just seems like they, if if they don't rule over other cities, they definitely, uh, they definitely dictate a lot in Cincinnati. But they could start. They could start by the next Sunday game because I think we're in Cleveland this, this Monday night. Next Sunday game, they should.
4: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
1: And we don't care what it costs. We, we got it because, like I said, I think they'll be fine, Brian. I don't think I don't think <laughs> the Brown family is going to have to stand at the free kitchen after they pay for uh, the the uh, the traffic posts, the eight eight or so that are before a game and and post a game. Right. I'm pretty sure we won't have to send them canned goods or anything.
3: Right. And that maybe they won't be able to hand out candy at Halloween because you know the inflationary pressures have impacted the Brown family anyhow i appreciate your comments i certainly uh i I echo them and, and agree with you completely especially in these trying times if we had a full contingent of police officers maybe we wouldn't even be having this conversation dan but we don't It's been difficult getting officers, and, of course, that's a problem that's all across this country of ours, thanks to the demonization of police brought to you by the left-wingers. FOP President Dan Hills, always a great time talking with you. Thank you for being so candid in your social media posts and your willingness to come on the program to talk about these extremely important issues, my friend. I know it exposes you to some degree, but you're speaking truth to very, very, very powerful individuals, and I love that. Best of health to you, my well, Brian, friend. Well,
1: thanks for being one part of the media that's uh, out there trying to have honest conversation. I appreciate you. So,
3: so all I can do is try and provide the forum, my friend. We'll talk again real soon. Stay well, my friend. 657 55 the Talk Station. It's 7.06 here at 55 Care CD Talk Station. Very happy Friday Eve. To you, that was good. To hear from Dan Hills. I certainly appreciate what he has to say. You know, <laughs> it's Brown family monopoly, I guess, over the Cincinnati Police Department. Dwindling numbers. Anyhow, you can get the podcast 55 dot Christopher Smithman is going to join the program bottom of this hour. Got uh, well handful of days left until the election and an opportunity for him to sort of make his case again. He may have something to say about well how the Browns do have some sort of control over where police resources are allocated. How is it, as Dan pointed out, that they can when the cincinnati reds pay for their own police it doesn't seem like much to ask and the idea is you just need to get those police officers who are off duty to get enough money that they will decide that they will work on any given day because we don't have enough officers to patrol the streets of the city of cincinnati your 911 call will not be answered quickly or if it's answered the officers aren't going to show up right away and if the officers show up and need assistance apparently not enough officers to provide that level of assistance that's a scary situation and can you imagine if you have a choice. If you're a police officer, I didn't get to ask this sedan, but Let's see here. Patrolling out in the community, going on gunshot, uh, uh, domestic violence, violent crimes, whatever. Any of the possibilities of crime that you might encounter as a police officer. I imagine that's not something you really look forward to. Gee, I'd like to have a quiet day at work and not have to go put my life on the line, even though I'm still protecting and serving. Here are your choices. You want to work traffic at Paul Brown Stadium on your on-duty shift, or do you want to go out in the world and deal with uh, babies who have been shot in the head? Without any assistance, while the gun has yet, had, is yet to be found and the family is hysterical. Can you imagine the potential for something to happen to an officer or someone else in that home with only one police officer there? That's scary stuff. I mean, you don't have to go very far into the uh, history of crime in this country, even like a week or so ago, to realize that you know, there's some crazy people out there heavily armed and they may do a lot of damage while we're waiting around for police to show up. We just don't have the numbers. 115 short and growing. 513-749-5500-800-823-TALK or go with pound 550 on your AT&T phones. Not quite sure which direction to go, and I think I want to go this direction. The I think education has really... This woke education and ideology in, in 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 schools. Whether or not you have children in schools, you've all heard about it. You know it's being taught to some very very young people, and i like to think the vast majority of people in America find it unbelievably disturbing. These woke concepts and gender, you know, pronouns and this 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 using bathrooms regardless of which sex or however you feel like identifying any given day. I just think that really, truly rubs most, the vast majority of Americans the the wrong way. And I really believe, and you can feel free to disagree with me, the inroads the Republican Party is making into the Hispanic community as well as the black community has a lot to do with these key core values that most people share. I mean, the libertarian in me. I, I listen, live and let live. Do your life; it's your life. You control it. I trust you with your wallet and your zipper, but that doesn't mean that I can capitulate and consent to you trying to, in essence, brainwash or otherwise change my children's perception and change my values as I've raised my children. Uh, they, they're going to be adults someday. They can look at their life critically and the values that I endeavored to instill in my children when they get older. They'll feel free to change them. Some children drop religion or change religion, for example. But allow the development of cognitive uh, skills and critical thinking skills and, uh, and, and and moving away from adolescence into adulthood to define where that former child, now adult, ultimately wants to be in his or her life. But this is being shoved down our throats, and this is where local is so important. It's why you've seen so many parents who otherwise would have ignored a school board meeting now start showing up at them and starting to ask questions. Why is this what some would argue pornographic book available to my kindergartner? Why are you explaining to a second grader how they can get online and meet other people of perhaps the same sexuality and explain to them how to hook up? That's actually in one of these books that we complain about. There's nothing that's not right or left wing from my perspective. It's just it's just child abuse. But I think it's having an inroad and shifting the political hearts and minds of a lot of people because they view this as a bridge too far. But part of the problem with this, as with all things, this top-down, one-size-fits-all mentality, if you remove the control from the local school boards and parents, if you take away their right to control the curriculum and what materials very young people are able to see, and you transfer that power to some distant entity, like, for example, a state capital, or if the federal government and the, uh, and the leftists and the federal government had their way, it would go up to something like the NEA, and that would be the one-size-fits-all curriculum for every school district everywhere. Then you got a major problem on your hands. You're going to be have that power taken out of your control. And that's what's happened. There was this article I saw, the Lawrenceburg Township Board of Education meeting. It happened on October 19th. This is in New Jersey. The lawyer there, John Comengo, he said the rights of parents, in his words, is not to dictate what their children are taught. It is to determine where they attend. In public schools, he went on to say, "We we have curriculum that is aligned with New Jersey state learning standards. He said, but please know if your students attend these awesome schools, they're going to be instructed in this curriculum. This woke stuff I'm talking about came from on high, the capital of New Jersey. He said, which is consistent with the state learning standards. That's not binding if you choose to have your child attend elsewhere that's your right that is your right as a parent now if we're out in arizona i believe where they have the money goes with the child legislation in place i wouldn't mind him having a statement like that but in new jersey when you move your child from that school you feel stuck in and send him over to a private school you better damn well have the money to pay tuition on that private school but the teachers unions in new jersey continue to enjoy the benefits of the tax dollars that stay with the school district and don't go with the child So you got this sort of Hobson's Choice on your hands. I'm going to see, do I have the extra money to pay for it? How come those tax dollars can't follow my kid so I can go someplace where this one-size-fits-all curriculum isn't being shoved down everybody's throat to the exclusion of parents? No, you don't have that right, says the New Jersey education system. That's insulting. It's more than insulting. And it should frighten you. And that's where the control is moving, further and further away from your community to some distant capital or, as the case may be, the federal government. And you can take this outside of the realm of education. They're trying to deprive you of the right to have a say. And you do have a right. And I would argue, as I just made the point, that the vast majority of people, whether or not they care one way or another about whether you're a trans person or whether you identify as a man when you're actually biologically a woman and all that, listen, that's for you to decide in your own world. It shouldn't be mandated that we must abide by your sometimes bizarre choices in life. As I think about the 40 subcategories that microsoft identified in their new lgbtq plus et cetera flag and i I went through them the other day alphabetical lists and there are 40 of them some of them don't make a wits worth of sense where did we come up with all that and is this what we're training our children and teaching our children that they need to go through and have a test maybe there'll be a standardized test on this someday maybe teachers will be teaching to the test no 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 that's cisgender uh, little johnny that's not uh, a bipoc or whatever is is that trip really necessary and remember even if you think it's important to train them along some level you can do that at home taking up the valuable and limited time in classrooms in public education to spend even a moment's time on this versus something that is so critical to the long-term development across all spectrums reading and mathematics Look at the test scores that we've talked about over the last week or two. The National Report Card, the ACT scores, they're all going into the toilet. Maybe part of it has to do with spending too much time on things that, uh, that don't relate to the building blocks of education, which will allow our children to go off and live, thrive, and survive on their own. Put your foot down, people. Get engaged. And welcome to the party, my black and Hispanic friends. I'm glad you're on at least the conservative side of the ledger when it comes to these matters. There are children's lives literally at stake here. Without a proper education, without the core skills to live, thrive, and survive, they won't. They'll be wards of the state. Now, many of you I know are nodding, going, yeah, that's exactly what the left wants. It is. How they ultimately pay for everyone being wards of the state after they successfully dumb them down, well, that's like the peace of God. I don't understand how that's supposed to work. I never have understood that. It's like the left-wing mainstream media. They rely on advertising dollars to get people to pay for their programming, and yet they try to shove this one-size leftist mentality down our throats, telling you that John Fetterman did a great job and Mehmet Oz did poorly. And you look at that and you say, I'm changing the channel they do that to their own peril. They rely on capitalism, yet do everything they can to undermine capitalism in every single broadcast they make. How does that make sense to anybody? 717-55K or CD Talk Station. Take a stand, folks. You got an opportunity next Tuesday or, and uh, uh coming up next looking forward to having him on the program as I always do yeah and it's not just in our, our education system I guess I I'm going back to this grant to the uh, Ecuadorian people of $20,000 from the State Department to fund drag shows yeah yeah, we've talked about this one before and it's I know it's only tw- only $20,000 yeah well to you and me that's a lot of money but to the State Department they probably didn't even notice it but Ecuador do you think, I mean, I guess I have to wonder out loud, do you think the Ecuadorian people really embrace this or want it? And is that what they want from the State Department? You know, we're out there trying to win over the hearts and minds of other countries, of other administrations. We're fighting this epic existential battle with the Chinese. If you look at the little areas where Chinese trying to make inroads, they're all over the continent of Africa, for example. They're moving into the Middle East in the vacuum that we've left with our, with our you know, sort of. Difficulties and problems with the Saudis and other uh, countries, notwithstanding the fact that Trump made tremendous gains uh, in foreign policy there in that region. New administration, new realities. Um, But we're battling for the hearts and minds of a collective of people under any flag. And I would like to think that it's probably difficult enough for us to make inroads when there are other countries, like, for example, China, endeavoring to do the same thing with their money and their influence. We show up and offer from the State Department drag shows. Just Going out on a limb here, I think that probably flies in the face of some of the cultural norms in, in among the Ecuadorian people. And isn't that ultimately what they're trying to do? Undermine those cultural norms in favor of substituting it with this woke ideology. And it was interesting, uh, House Foreign Affairs Committee leader, Republican Michael McCall, at least he's the leader Republican, he sent a letter over to the State Department complaining about this generally speaking. And in so doing, he noted that the Catalog of Federal Domestic Assistance, which lists the objectives of the public diplomacy programs under which this grant was awarded, what are those objectives? To support the achievement of U.S. foreign policy goals and objectives, advance national interest, and enhance national security by informing and influencing foreign publics And by expanding and strengthening the relationship between the people and government of the United States and the citizens of the rest of the world. Right. It's America. We're great. Here we are. Let's establish a relationship. Let's put America first, you damn xenophobes, insofar as our relationship with these countries are concerned. How do you shoehorn a drag show into that? And I think any objective observer might think, hmm, won't you possibly be doing more harm by going after such a highly sensitive and seemingly fringe objective in Ecuador versus just maybe talking about and espousing the benefits of a relationship with the United States of America? If that comes as a, rela- as a consequence of a relationship with the United States of America, do you think the Ecuadorian people, the administrators, those powers that be... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
5: look like that's, or look at that as a
3: marketing strategy or something positive. Wait a second. If we start taking federal dollars from the United States government, are we going to be forced to perform more drag shows for our people? Nah, that's a string attached that I'm not willing to go down that road. My perception anyway. But then it also is a great illustration of the epic stupidity of where our dollars go. There aren't enough to go around, check our deficit out, and here we are going abroad, Performing drag shows on the American tax dollar. Christopher Smithman's up next. Hope you can stick around for that. Always enjoy that, and I think you'll really enjoy the landing of Ensign. And-
7: having me on, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity.
3: Well, and congratulations on the truck. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yes, man. It only it only it only took a year almost.
3: Well, I think it was longer it, than it that, takes- man. I know it took a year after you <laughs> ordered it because of the supply chain issues. But I've been hearing you you wanting a truck stories for as as long as I've known you. <laughs> so you finally made good on your promise to get yourself a truck. So congratulations, Christopher. It's I'm glad I'm glad uh, you're happy about that.
7: Thank thank you so much. You know, I want to start off, Brian, by really thanking Sycamore Township. Uh, Deer Park Republican Club for hosting me last night. I had a great time. They allowed me to be their featured speaker. And there was a citizen there by the name of Rob Porter, um, who's been the fiscal officer for 32 years who retired. Um, And when I thought about him, you know, you think about these these citizens who have committed their life to public service. Um, He's one of them, like your sister, who committed her life to public service as a police officer. We have to do a better job of thanking them and making sure that we support them. And I certainly heard President Dan Hills talking about the stadium deal and how our officers in the city of Cincinnati are working uh, for the city and not doing off-duty detail. I think President Dan Hills is right on point um, as talking about our officers in a time period where we are we are down officers. You know, our complement is below a thousand. It's hard to recruit an officer. Because of the defund the police culture here, um, and so I agree with him. You know, I think that that the that when we talk about this stadium deal coming up, everybody has to pay their freight. And and I think if a if if an officer is down working uh, for the Bengals or working for the Bengals game, uh, the Bengals should be paying that freight.
3: Yeah, and he, as he pointed out, it became as a shock to me that Great American Ballpark, the Reds pay. For the officers' time and dealing with the same issues that they are, uh, that 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 the Brown family doesn't pay for over Paul Brown Stadium, you know, officers in the stadium and officers doing traffic. So, do you think, and not being familiar with every line of the Bengals' contract with the city or with the Hamilton County that we all know is a terrible deal to get to start with, but do you think it's a contractual obligation that the city provide these officers at no additional expense to to the to the Bengals, or have they just been able to finagle this this benefit?
7: I believe that this is something that has been finagled, but the bottom line is that it's happening, right? And that our officers, as, as President Dan Hill said, you know, they're on a job where they're the only officer showing up. And when they're calling for backup, when you have an, uh, an officer doing traffic for a, for a game, they're unable to respond and do backup. That's his point. And so the reality of it is, we have to know what our compliment is every single day, every single minute. And it's become more important because our compliment is under so much stress. Now, if anybody out there is listening to this and wants to be a police officer, you know, one of the things I can speak for my good friend, Brian Thomas, please apply. We need people and citizens to apply to be officers more than ever right now. It's a noble profession. It's a difficult profession, but we need our young people to consider it,
3: please please indeed uh it's it's a satisfying career it's a noble and honorable career and it's one of the few careers left Christopher as you know that you get to retire with a pretty darn good pension (laughs)
7: there is no there is no question about that I was uh lit dropping in in Dale High uh yesterday uh personally lit dropped a thousand houses and I'm going to tell you man I, I walked up on a on a gentleman um and he said, Smitherman, I hear you on the Brian Thomas show. I love Brian Thomas. And he was talking to a friend on, on his, uh, in, in, sitting in his truck, he was talking to a friend. He said, man, this is Smitherman. You know, I always we always hear him on with Brian Thomas. Brian Thomas logic, listen to this, Brian Thomas's logic is solid. I mean, I hear this all over the county, and people trust you. And so it was a wonderful engagement that I had with him. But you know how you tease me. You tease me about, you know, how how familiar people are with me. I'm going to tell you, Brian Thomas, it's you and the show. People wake up at 5 a.m. and they listen to your show as long as they can into 9 a.m. every single day to get their news, to get an understanding about what's happening in their community, and to get some answers. You know, just to get a just clarification on what's going
3: on. I truly appreciate you passing that along, Christopher. Quite often I feel like I'm a lone voice in the wilderness, but as long as they let me do it, I'll keep trying to speak from logic and reason standpoint. That's all I can do. Hold on a second because I'm not the only one who's endorsing Christopher Smithman. His endorsements are lengthy and across the political spectrum. We'll get more with Christopher Smithman. Christopher Smithman, running for Hamilton County Commissioner, uh, as an independent, we need to emphasize that because there is an endorsed Republican candidate on the ticket and just always recommend and uh, really to my Republican friends who typically vote straight party ticket, either because you don't bother with politics until Election Day or you just not really paying attention to the behind the scenes dynamics. Christopher, I think, is widely, widely accepted and uh, endorsed by the vast majority of Republicans, but all, along with a whole host of other organizations and groups, Christopher, and I think that speaks volumes to you as a candidate. Your your Democratic opposition and the Republican candidate don't have anywhere near the number of endorsements and the the, the scope of endorsements that you enjoy. And one of the ones i wanted to focus you've got the firefighters union the fraternal order of peace st st bernard fire department independent electrical contractors area board of Realtor realtors but what i wanted to ask you about the baptist ministers conference and i was i was going on earlier in the program and you don't need to, to involve yourself with lgbtq type politics i'm talking about our education system and i just have this really strong sense that the conservatives, republicans, and independents do not embrace this woke ideology to the level that is being shoved down our collective throats from the democrats. And one of the reasons is because it flies in the face of so many people of faith. This is an intrusion into their doctrine and dogma and their religion. And I, I get a sense, and I've seen statistics around the country, that fewer and fewer people even consider themselves religious. Within the black community, uh, Christopher, and the Baptist Ministers Conference specifically, is that still the case? Are people st- Does does faith and hearing from Baptist ministers and, and people in the clergy have an impact on voters still? A tremendous impact. Um, the Baptist Ministers Conference, the black
7: church, still is the most powerful independent institution in the country. Um, so it's a huge endorsement, meaning the reason the NAACP has a backbone is because of the Baptist ministers. Meaning the black church is the backbone to the NAACP. And so, yes, it is a tremendous endorsement that typically lies with the Democrats. Yeah. And so you see the Baptist Ministers Conference saying, and people like Rep Pastor Casey Smith and and people like uh, Pastor Doc Foster and Pastor Seal Watkins, these are huge Passers across our, our county are saying, no, we want to see Smitherman elected um, to this position. Now, you know, think about issues one and two. Briefly, just to spend a second on them. Yeah. I'm listening to the Democrats next to me who don't have the issues on their sample ballot. Listen to this closely. So they don't speak to it on their ballot, but they shout it when they're at the DOE. To citizens who are voting, right? So they don't—they're hiding their hand where they really are, where they are saying we want citizens or non-citizens to vote in our elections. I want you—I want the public to understand what I'm saying here. You go to their sample ballot; they're not proud of these positions, but they want to tell people how to vote on it. I'm a yes on one and a yes on two, period. And so we want to make sure, if you're, I mean, the African American church is incredibly concerned about crime. Yes. And what's happening to our young people. And so we want judges to look at mitigating factors that are related to bonds and letting somebody who has shot somebody back out on the street to shoot somebody again. We call them shooters. We don't want shooters back on the street within one week of killing someone or shooting someone. And so that's why you hear me saying yes on one, and then obviously I can't go to Germany and vote if I'm not a <laughs> citizen in Germany, and I don't want somebody who's in, in this country, right, who's not a citizen from Germany voting in our elections, period. And so my point to you is that you have trustees like Tom Wheatman who have endorsed me, which is just huge, and I'm so proud of it. But you also have trustees like Josh Gert. Christy Dukes Davis, Matt Waller, Andrew Pappas, Councilmember Lee Zawanka out of Blue Ash, Councilmember Mark Query, right? Then you we talked about the Baptist ministers, but Mayor Bo Bemis of Reading, Mayor Kevin Hartman, former Mayor John Estep, former Sheriff Jim Neal, Congressman Brad Winstrup, we just heard his commercial, Cong- former Congressman David Mann, Democrat, U.S. Senator Rob Portman, Prosecutor Joe Dieters, you can just go through the list. And what's frustrating for me is that the young, the young person, young man, respectfully, who's running um, as an R, right, has no elected endorsement at all. At all.
3: At no, no, all. No
7: elected, no elected has stood next to him and said, I support him. I'm vouching for his leadership. <laughs> he has never held a public office in his life, he collected 50 signatures, placed his name on the ballot. Now, I'm just saying to to your listeners who have tremendous common sense, would you get in a 737 MAX (laughs) with someone who's never piloted a plane? We have a $3.2 billion budget, negotiations with the Bengals, MSD. We have huge issues that we have to tackle. And I'm listening to him give an interview to you, my friend, Brian Thomas. And I'm sitting in a truck, in my truck on the west side of town because I've just dropped my daughter off for school. And I heard him say on your show he did not support the Western Hills Viaduct. He has repeated that the times that I've spoken, heard him speak, that he thinks the Western Hills Viaduct should be a bike trail. I am not exaggerating. I know. But it shows you. It shows you his lack of competency and we don't want to replace someone who doesn't understand a bridge loan when we're talking about a, 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 we're talking about bridge loans and they start talking about bridges with someone who doesn't even support the western hills viaduct and believes it should be a bike trail
3: i right, pause one more moment we'll get a couple more with uh... christopher smith gotta take a break at seven forty seven right now Fifty-five K C the talk station opportunity the talk station Coming up on 752 seven fifty two, fifty five KRCD talk station. Brian Thomas here with a few more minutes with Christopher Smithman, independent running for Hamilton County Commissioner, and uh, certainly worthy of your vote for a lot of reasons. And of course, the the vast majority of endorsements across party spectrum is really, I think, very telling. Christopher, you went through you went through so many in the last segment, and you probably didn't even didn't even mention half of the people that have endorsed you.
7: That that is so true, and I'm just so honored. Um, to be out here running I'm excited about winning on November the 8th Um, I want to say there's some judges I I don't ever want to be selfish because we have to make sure our streets are safe and you know Judge C.D. spoke yesterday um, at the Sycamore Township Deer Park Republican Club did an excellent job making a case for why people should vote for him great man great judge but Judge Shanahan you know important judge to make sure that she wins Ah, uh, Stacy DeGraffenreid, juvenile court judge, solid judge. Um, thinking about Judge Winkler um, out there, who's running hard. Great, great judge. Yes. Um, Gooden for the for the clerk. Cr- incredibly um, I- important to see a, a victory there. Um, I could continue. J- judge Dinkenlocker, we call him Dink, but Judge Dinkenlocker, what a great human being, yep. a great judge, great family man, great grandfather. If people, independents who are listening to me right now, right, who have listened to me over many, many years, please vote for these judges. It's not about party. It's about the person. It's about keeping our community safe and having common sense. And so independents in these races are going to make the difference. And they're listening to your show every single morning. And I'm encouraging them, right, when they go down that ballot, that they're looking to elect judges that are not going to be allowing violent criminals back on our streets with guns. They're terrifying our communities. And I want to end by sharing with you a good friend of mine that I want to remind our community about, which is Commissioner Todd Portune. Commissioner Todd Portune was my friend. I remember we were at the Friendly Saints event. He walked up to me and he said, "Uh, Vice Mayor, am I a racist? I said, Commissioner Portune, you are not a racist.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? Well, you could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. You'll even get a solar panel included for free. So go to fourpatriots.com slash on the right. That's fourpatriots, patriots the number 4, Patriots.com slash on the right. I said
7: no. I said Commissioner Top uh, Pertoon, you absolutely are not somebody who would assault somebody. That is exactly what happened with Commissioner Dumas and how her chief of staff was treating Commissioner Top Pertoon. When she was elected and it haunted him because he had spent his career right fighting institutional racism, fighting for the little guy, lived in Green Township, was a huge union guy. No matter where you are, this this is a Democrat. And here she comes in 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 his 11th hour. Public listened to this and all Commissioner Portune needed was an accommodation when he was in hospice meaning he wanted the commissioners to accommodate his health status by bringing the meeting to him. And Commissioner Dumas refused to do it. Yeah. She talked about some type of conspiracy theory that was happening. Commissioner Pertune came to the next meeting and really spoke very directly to her about her conduct. I'm just suggesting to you that being a human being is absolutely the first and front-runner thing for all of us when you're running for public office. And clearly, that fell short. It was a very bad moment for the commission. And I want to remind Democratic voters out there, I want to remind union voters out there, blue dog Democrats out there, who, are re- who loved Todd Platoon and supported him, remember how he was treated in his 11th hour.
3: And that goes directly to the whole concept of content of character. It's very revealing when she won't make an accommodation for a man who was fast approaching death, sadly. It's just really a—it's a heartbreaker, it really is. I'm glad you brought that one back up, and listeners, if you have any doubt, if you want to see all the endorsements that Christopher has, you want to help him out, it's smithermanforcommissioner.com. dot com. Check it out yourself, see for yourself. Christopher, I wish you the best of luck. You got my vote, you got my family's vote. I can guarantee you that. And the only person on the planet who's ever run for political office that has a yard sign in my yard.
7: <laughs> oh, listen, brother. Thank you so much. The last thing we need are poll workers. Anybody yes. that wants to work a poll, hold up a yard sign on November the 8th at your polling location. Call us at 513-242-8683. We need an Army on November the 8th at your poll holding our yard sign saying vote for Smitherman." Thank you, Brian.
3: Best of luck to you. Much love and best of health to you and your family. Coming up, we're going to be talking com.
5: What you want, Prime right now, the inflation, the border, and what you need, midterm elections
3: every day. I want to know how we are and where we're going. 55 KRC, the talk station. Date 06 here at 55 KRC, the talk station. Hope you're having a happy Friday Eve. Bottom of the hour, I heard media aviation expert Jay Ratliff returns. Always enjoy that. and Anybody who's listened to the 55 KRC Morning Show uh, for any period of time knows that one of the most, if not the most horrific things anybody can do is harm the welfare of a child Uh, psychologically and physically, uh, child abuse, sexual abuse, child trafficking, uh, child pornography. It's all absolutely horrific and heinous. And yes... Beelzebub does have a special uh, devil put aside for anybody who would engage in that kind of behavior and joining the program today to talk about Ohioans for Child Protection, Rebecca Surindorf. Rebecca, welcome to the 55KRC Morning Show. It's a pleasure having you on today.
8: Thank you, Brian. It's good to talk to you this morning.
3: How did you get involved with this and explain to my listeners, right off the bat, why don't you start with what is Ohioans for Child Protection? And what are their goals?
8: So Ohioans for Child Protection um, really started to come together about three years ago. We're a group of Cincinnati, but also other parts of Ohio, parents and grandparents um, from our 30s to even our 80s. Um, and we're across the generations and we have everything from Republicans to Democrats and independents in our group. And we got our start um, mostly off the local Jeff Drew case. I don't know if you're familiar. But Jeff Drew um, worked in southwestern Ohio for about 30 years. First as a music teacher in Hamilton County, um, later he joined the seminary and became a priest. And he was in um, Montgomery County and Butler County during his employment with the archdiocese here. And all through those years, there was apparently red flag behaviors identified with Drew. Um, everything from, you know, touching boys' sides, um, hugs from behind. Um, inappropriate viewing material on out-of-state trips, giving minors alcohol. It appears he may have lost employment at one of the schools due to his interactions with minors. But more troubling, we found that there had actually been multiple Child Protective Services calls. Andrew had been investigated in Butler County three times by the prosecutor there, Mike Moser. Um, He had been investigated in 2013 and 2015 um, for three separate incidences is our understanding. Um, So fast forward, and it's 2019, and I'm sitting in the pew of St. Ignatius for Sunday Church with my children, and we find out our pastor is going on leave. Fast forward a few weeks later, um, we find out that he's actually being arrested for nine counts of child rape, dating back from his time as a teacher at St. Jude. And as as chance would have it, I was actually a student at St. Jude over Drew's years there as a teacher, and the victim in the case, um, he was a classmate of mine. Oh. So we had a moment of realization that you can have someone exhibit red flag behaviors in three Ohio counties over three decades with minors that fit the grooming behaviors of someone who is a pedophile, yet... They can be a pastor at the largest Catholic elementary school in Ohio, which is kind of like a superintendent-like position. They have a lot of authority, yeah. particularly when it comes time to, you know, the employees, the teachers, the principal out of school. Well, and I, <laughs> cool.
3: I, I, I'm appalled that this could happen. I guess everybody in my listening audience right now is going, how is it possible that— he was able to gain uh, to, to, to to be retained for this position or hired for this position, given his background. And I'm going to levy criticism against Mike Mosier. I'm I think he's a good guy, but oh, he is. is, is there were, were there not specific criminal charges he could have brought against him, even if they were low level criminal charges? I mean, providing alcohol to a minor in and of itself is a crime. I mean, he could have been held that accountable was- for that.
8: That was not what had been accused in Butler County at that moment, Uh. that was elsewhere on the timeline. And this is where we realized that so much of what the problem is, is that we don't have laws on the books for grooming and we do not have laws on the books for statute of limitations reform. Basically, we do not realize that one in five boy, one in five girls and one in thirteen boys are being sexually abused by the time they're eighteen on average. So that's about thirteen and a half percent of the population of oh, that's children in our frightening, are state, that's which frightening. is staggering. And then uh, for the last twenty years, other states have been passing laws such as grooming bills and reforming something called statute of limitations. And It turns out this is such an important concept that so many Ohioans don't get. But what it means is that the court doors shut at a certain point after child sex abuse occurs. Right now, criminally, those doors shut in your early 40s. But the average age for someone to disclose their sexual abuse is age 52 on average. Oh, my. And I'm incredibly thankful to the survivor, Paul, that came forward because when everything else was failing in our state, Paul bravely came forward. And actually, a second victim came forward too, but he was denied his day in court because of our David statute of limitations here in Ohio.
3: Yeah. And the reason I I got the point, I am a lawyer. So, one of the reasons you have statutes of limitations is because. It it closes the idea of litigation prosecution because you know after a certain period of time and memories fade, people die, evidence disappears, and so it's quite often very difficult to build a case and establish criminal prosecution liability standards. You know, guilty on a reasonable doubt after such a long passage of time. But we're talking about crimes against children, children who do not have the capacity or understanding. First off, oftentimes to even know that what has happened to them is wrong. And then they don't know where to turn if they do know it's wrong, they're embarrassed about it. They've been threatened perhaps by the groomer or molester in many cases. They're worried about their family being harmed if they do say something. And once they reach the age of emancipation, you know, at that age of 18, maybe the statute of limitations starts running at that point because you're expected to then have the knowledge as an adult to know where to go and to seek the right authorities. They quite often don't. It's I'm sure that as much of this is wanted to be suppressed. They don't want to bring it back up. They don't want to be exposed in public as to having been molested. We could probably go on for an hour about the different reasons why you wouldn't want to come forward.
8: Right. Yeah, and it turns out from research from Child USA that your 20s and early 30s has the lowest percentage of people coming forward. It's just not a moment in life where people are in a place generally that they are ready to take it to, for prosecution. And so we found that across the country, they have been listing the statute of limitations criminally, and they have also been doing what's called hidden predator legislation, and that's opening up a look back window, like what you find in Arkansas, Louisiana. About half the states in our country, as of this point, have opened up look back windows for people who slipped through the system criminally that you could still at least have a chance to identify them in a courtroom as whether or not they're preying on children but another piece of this is that grooming so often is the smoke and responsible adults will see the grooming behavior they will see the trips they will see the inappropriate touching the child will be reporting the grooming behavior the parent will not be okay with the text that just seemed to cross the line right yeah and so you'll see these calls to child protective services reporting grooming but Child Protective Services has their hands tied. The oh, yeah. police have their hands tied. Our prosecutors have their hands tied because we do not have good grooming laws yet in our state. So right, well,
6: well, I, well, I tell you what, pa-
3: wait a minute, Rebecca, we're going to yeah. pause right now. I want to bring you back okay. to give you enough time to build on this and the Hidden Predators Act, which you're asking my listeners to get in touch with our elected officials about. And the grooming. We'll get some more details from Rebecca from Ohioans for Child Protection. Find them in Facebook. Just type in Ohioans Ohioans for Child Protection. You'll go right to their page. 55KRC, the talk station. It's 820 here at 55KRC, the talk station. And I hope you're having a happy Friday. Brian Thomas. Happy to have Rebecca Serndorf with uh, Highlands for Child Protection on the program. We're going to be talking about this uh, piece of legislation she's trying to uh, get through, a Hidden Predator Act. Sounds like a good idea. Going back to grooming, though, before we dive into the details of that act, Rebecca, I-, I have been reading, I talked about it this morning, everybody across this great land of ours is taking a little bit closer attention to what our children are learning in school. And as, if, as we find out, there are some very, very young children, like K through third grade, that have access to some pretty good, darn graphic books that one could make an argument that librarians or teachers who are pushing this kind of stuff themselves are involved in grooming. Grooming doesn't have to be a a specific touching or feeling or showing of pornography. I mean, it it just can just be the presentation of adult level content to children and they don't have the skill sets or the critical thinking skills to deal with this kind of thing. I mean, how do we even address that? I mean, isn't that a form of grooming in your mind, Rebecca?
8: Well, Ohioans for Child Protection hasn't quite delved into that particular um, topic, but we have looked into something called Aaron's Law, which has been passed in 35 states, and Aaron's Law puts age-appropriate child body safety training into our schools instead, and it's been rolled out even in neighboring Indiana. And St. Ignatius actually under the old leadership had um, the Council on Child Abuse coming in and doing child sex abuse preventative training. And it was actually one of the first things that we hear Jeff Drew was trying to have dropped from the schedule um, during the school year when he became pastor at our school. Uh, So we had a, a renewed appreciation about the role training has for both our children in the schools, but also for the adults in their lives because What we found again and again is that adults were describing the behaviors as creepy and the children were describing the behaviors as creepy, Yep. but it wasn't necessarily seen in the context of grooming and the prelude to a crime, or sometimes the only evidence to responsible eyes that a crime was already occurring.
3: Fair enough. All right, let's pivot over to something that might help out here, the Hidden Predator Act that Ohioans for Child Protection is uh, asking us to get behind. What does this specifically do, Rebecca?
8: Well, the Hidden Predator Act is House Bill 266, and right now we're asking lawmakers in the House um, for them to support this bill, and it's in the Criminal Justice Committee, and we hope that it will be fast-tracked since this is established legislation in a good chunk of the country. And then we've also been simultaneously calling leadership in the Senate and asking them to introduce and pass legislation similar to House Bill 266. Uh, basically, an identical Hidden Predator Act because we are running out of time. Our legislative session is ending at the end of the year. And we took a look at the census data for Ohio, and there's about 600,000 children in our state that are under five. And we can see that there's rates of abuse of about 13.5%. And that is a staggering number of children that could very well become future victims in our state unless we change something. And so we're just asking our state house um, to move boldly here as at this point. We're not striking out into new territory. We are just taking proven laws that have worked all across this country.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today
4: to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps>
4: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? Well, you could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. You'll even get a solar panel included for free. So go to 4 com slash on the right. That's fourpatriots, patriots the number 4, Patriots.com slash on the right. And this, I'm
8: using them to protect our
3: kids. And will this address the statute of limitation problems that you, you mentioned before? It will. Okay. It
5: will
8: handle the criminal statute of limitations. It will lift it. And actually, Attorney General Yost did send a, a co-signed paper with former attorney generals across party lines as well, asking the state house a couple years ago to lift the statute of limitations on rights. Um, It then pushes out the civil statute of limitations to more closely line up to when victims come forward in their fifties. And then it creates a look back window. And this is really the hidden predator part, right? That people that got to slip through the cracks in the system under old criminal SOL at least can still be taken to a civil court. And there is data on ChildUSA's website that indicates states that have done this have identified hundreds, and in some cases, even thousands of previously unidentified predators that were still in a position of authority over children. And it was only with the transparency that the courts were providing and the hidden predator laws gave that everyone became aware of the risk. We also would like to see Aaron's Law so we can be better training our community. And there's also something called faith law that is um, kind of passed in in similar bits and pieces in Texas and went all the way through as a full piece of legislation in Illinois that gives training to the adults and a better reporting system for the education system as well. Uh, We feel as if like these three things with grooming will basically put children in a better footing in our state that we don't have thousands upon thousands of children being sexually abused in Ohio.
3: Well, and quite often the parents need to speak for their children for all the reasons we talked about before. Uh, If you see something, you find it creepy, perhaps you might want to raise it to some level of higher authority so people can be on the lookout. Rebecca, God bless you for what you're doing. It's Ohioans for Child Protection. Find them on Facebook and support, of course, the Hidden Predator Act. It's passed all over the place, Rebecca. Why not in Ohio? It's a good question.
8: Exactly. Keep fighting Thank for you. And if you could have us back to follow up, I'd appreciate it. Well,
3: you know you can, Rebecca. Absolutely, Wonderful. this is an issue near and dear to my heart. So God bless you for what you're doing, and keep up the great Listen, work.
8: Appreciate your help. Anytime. Thank you so much.
3: Anytime. Eight twenty-six, fifty-five KRC, the talk station. Time to fifty-five KRC, the talk station. 832 55 City Talk Station. Happy Thursday. Always made happier because we get to talk with I Heart Media aviation expert and friend of the show, Jay Ratliff. Welcome back, my friends. Always a pleasure having you on the show.
6: Hey, the uh, pleasure's mine. I had a question for you. Sure. Would you ever volunteer to sit in the middle seat on any airplane? Volunteer? Volunteer. Please, please, sir, put me in the, that
3: middle no, seat. No, absolutely not.
6: Well, I I would agree with you. you I
3: I reserve my seats ahead of time when I do fly, and it's a rare (laughs) occasion, I admit, but I get online, I get my seat booked, and I pick which seat I want. I'm an aisle guy. Some people like the window, but I have never Mm -hmm. in my life ever chosen voluntarily a middle seat, period, end of story, nor would I take one if someone said, hey, you want to sit there? I I ask because Virgin Australia is having a middle seat lottery. (laughs)
6: For people that are willing to sit in the middle seat, they're giving away prizes, big prizes for six months. I think the the prizes this week are going to be a six night Caribbean cruise, Caribbean cruise, uh, including round trip of flights. So, Seriously? Yep. And it kind of breaking news, and I've yet to talk about it on any of the stations here in town. So I thought, you know, I'm going to ask Brian what? that to kick it off here. But yeah, it's uh, it's Virgin Australia. It's I'm sure this is going to. Pick up some uh, steam as the uh, the days progress. That's why I wanted to kind of jump out in front of it here. I appreciate
3: that. Let me let me see how this works. The the middle seats are the ones that are sold last. So on a solid booked flight, you're either in a middle seat or you're not flying. So these have to be seats that otherwise would have been left unoccupied. I don't otherwise I don't understand how this works.
6: Well, the the idea is sometimes you have to pay extra for a middle seat. Excuse me, for an aisle or window. And some people are like, I just want to get there. I'll, I don't want to need spending more money than the basic transportation to get there. So you can pick a middle seat well in advance. So they're going to randomly select each week from the people that flew in the middle seats of their flights that that week, and they're going to pull out a, a winner. And I mean, they're giving away helicopter pub crawls, oh <laughs> uh, tickets to Australian football leagues. I mean, VIP packages here and there. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff they're giving away. And it's just they're they're making it, you know, at least a little bit more interesting because, look, if you're forced to sit there, who knows? You right. know, maybe we've got a chance now to, you know. But the, the whole bottom line of it all is the fact that nobody in their right mind likes a middle seat. So, uh, yeah, we've got an airline that's having some fun with it, and I think that's pretty cool.
3: It is cool, and it's the right thing in a capitalist society to do what is good for your airline, that is sell more seats and get people to be at least happy about the idea they're sitting in a middle seat when they otherwise might not be. Let's pause for a moment. We'll take a break, Jay, because we're going to parlay this into the size of the seats. We had that situation where Ah. you had the morbidly obese people on either side with this woman in the middle. Couldn't even get her tray down, but I see that... Seat size is still yet an issue with the FAA dealing with it at this point. More with iHeartMedia Aviation Expert, Jay The talk station.
1: You ever been in a cockpit before?
3: You ever been in a middle seat before? 840, 55K CD Talk Station. Right, time with iHeartMedia Aviation Expert, Jay Ratley. We're talking about uh, middle seats and the creative way of getting people to take middle seats, the lottery or the prizes that could be awarded. But on to seat size, we've talked about this one before. I see the FAA has a comment period till November 1st for us to comment about the appropriate seat size and I suppose opinions are like sphincters in this regard. Um, I don't need as big a seat as maybe somebody else but there's a limit on how small they can be practically speaking and of course there's a limit in terms of making money on how big they can be. My friend Steve asked why don't they just make the middle seats bigger? Well therein lies the problem. You make that bigger and of course you're going to reduce the capacity of passengers you can get on a plane. Does the FAA really have anything to do with seat size? Isn't this like capitalism, market, like, hey, fly our airline because you're not going to be cramped in your seat kind of thing?
6: Brian, you're absolutely right. and That's why when people are giddy, when they email me saying, Jay, this is great, uh, the FAA is taking comments on uh, seat sizes. I said, that's fine, but the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, is not in the business of comfort. They're in the business of safety. So it's like opening up an online uh, you know, forum uh, from August until November, as they're doing here saying, comment on airfares. What are people gonna say? They've had, I think 14,000 people respond. And I guarantee you 99% of them have said <laughs> the seats need to be bigger. I but know. <laughs> what, when they're done, Brian, what, they can turn to the airlines, they can suggest, they can recommend, but they can't mandate. So it, it's it's an exercise in futility. And, you know, if, well, it, was, if it was a politician, I'd say, look, Yeah, I mean, low-hanging fruit. I mean, who's going to disagree with that? And you put yourself on that position, and it makes you look like you're doing something. The problem here is nothing's going to get done unless the airline puts too many seats on an airplane where we cannot evacuate everybody off that airplane in 90 seconds or less. That's when the FAA gets involved, and that's only when the FAA gets involved. And that's why I'm sorry – I'm not too excited about this, uh, you know, online forum that people get to comment on.
3: Well, and you have the whole idea that our American tax dollars are spent on this futile exercise, coupled with the fact that I guarantee you, as sure as I'm sitting here, the airlines have done their own independent research to know just how much you and I are willing to tolerate when it comes to seat size so they mm-hmm. can take advantage of that. You know, if it's a little bit narrow, would you still do it? If you got a little bit lower airfare, would you would you suffer or suck it up and, and deal with it? They've done that research. You know they have, Jay.
6: Oh, they have. And and also this. They look at us saying, you have options. It's not like we're forcing you to sit in that seat. You can get an emergency row exit. You can get an aisle seat. You can get a comfort plus seat. You can get a a non-refundable first class seat or a full fare first class. I mean, you have plenty of options. So the way airlines think, and believe me, I know how they think, the idea if they're providing us options, we really don't have grounds to complain. Oh, yeah, we will. But as long as they're providing options, and, Brian, you know that's exactly what they would tell the government. Look, we're not forcing anything on anyone. Um, they can fly us and spend a little bit of extra money and, and have a slightly more comfortable seat and go from there. And I, 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 one point you made that I, I'm not sure that I totally agree with, I think sometimes the airlines are like, let's see if the traveling public will tolerate this. And they do. And then they say, maybe we can turn up the heat a little bit and do that. What I'm thinking of specifically is pitch, the distance between rows, yeah. which used to be much, much more than it was. And they have been chopping away at that for years. Oh, yeah. And 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 I, I guarantee you that there was a time when they thought, nobody's going to go with a, a distance between rows of this. So as a result, you know, we're going to do that. So the more that we take and we keep taking it, we keep coming back. The airlines are thinking, well, there's really no adverse uh, impact here to our sales, so let's go ahead and go this route. And it just it boggles your mind when you see what takes place, yep. but that's exactly what airlines are doing. And unfortunately here, uh, there's really no incentive for airlines to change the way that they treat us. Because we keep coming back.
3: Well, we do. And it's not a monopoly in the sense you do have other choices with carriers. But practically speaking, some airlines do, in fact, have a monopoly. Uh, because if you want to get from point A to point B without five layovers, you know, that you, if you if you wanted to go with a better seat choice like width-wise, well, that air carrier offers bigger seats and better amenities. But I'm going to have to fly to Poughkeepsie with a layover in L.A. in order to get to Dallas or something. You're not going to go through that exercise. You're going to go with the smaller seat and the most direct route in the shortest period of time.
6: Oh, absolutely. And that's going to continue to be the case because a lot of people, as they're looking at these things, are saying, yeah, I mean, I would love to have options, but when there's only two airlines that go into a specific city, Jay, what am I supposed to do? What can I do? Right. And and look, I, I totally understand that. And unfortunately, we're at a point in time right now where other than Cincinnati, which is definitely the exception to the rule, uh, we we have airports around the country that are seeing a continual reduction in service and flights and and air carriers pulling out the ones that are there uh, smaller airplanes fewer flights I mean it's one thing after another so it's it's something that right now unfortunately for a lot of people they wish they had more And these smaller regional airports that are seeing a reduction in service it's even worse there because you may only have one or two airlines and of course there's no real benefit there because you're talking about no competition means higher fares and it's just absolutely brutal for these individuals, and you can't help but feel for them.
3: Yeah, taking us back to the days when Delta was basically the only stop, the only thing you had at CVG, and we were the mm-hmm. highest, most expensive uh, airport in the country. Pause for a moment, Jay. Come back for one more segment, because we can and parlay these conversations into the number of complaints that have been registered with the mm-hmm. Department of Transportation. Oh, yeah. I guess people are a little upset. Talk station. 8:51, 55KCD Talk Station. Happy Thursday, Tech Friday with Dave Hatter tomorrow. In the meantime, I heard media aviation expert Jay Ratliff. All right, we got seat issues. We've got uh, other related issues, and we have a lot of people complaining. I see the Department of Transportation complaints have gone through the roof. It as compared to pre-pandemic numbers. We didn't complain as much pre-pandemic. Have we gotten less tolerant, Jay, or is this actually a sizable increase in the number of legitimate complaints?
6: We didn't know where to complain, and you and I have talked about this so many times before. Most people have an airline complaint, they go to the airline, and they wait, or they write a letter to the president of the airline, and, of course, they don't hear anything back. Uh, August of 2019, pre-pandemic, we had 76 million people or whatever fly. We had 1,713 people complain to the Department of Transportation. Think of that number, over 70 million people flying but only 1,700 people complained. Now, obviously we had a lot more complaints than that. Well, this August, 2022, we found out yesterday, uh, the DOT received 7,243 complaints. So we're talking about 320% more than pre-pandemic August. And uh, that has to do directly with more and more people being aware of the fact that they can increase the likelihood of a response by going to dot.gov, as we've talked about so many times before, to file your complaint. Then it becomes a matter of record. The DOT goes to the airline. They then are forced to respond within 30 days and copy in the Department of Transportation. And all my friends, when I do a national spot, and I I mentioned dot.gov repeatedly, I'm hearing from friends saying, Jay, shut up. We don't want that because it (laughs) creates so much paperwork. And my response continues to be, do a better job, and we won't have to.
3: Well, paperwork and a response. I'm going back to your comment. The FAA can't do anything about seat size anyway until there's some major airline catastrophe and people die as a consequence of not being able to get out the plane within 90 seconds. But does Mm -hmm. the Department of Transportation, can they do anything about the complaints?
6: Well, I tell you what it does, and, and we've had so many more complaints than normal. That's what the DOT and the Federal Aviation Administration and even the administration itself measures airline service by and that's what always just drove me up the wall when they said one month we have 1700 complaints the next month we have 1600 complaints the bottom line invariably was hey the airlines are doing a better job and it's like what are you talking about people don't even know that they can complain there so the fact that more and more people are complaining is really getting the attention of the administration now look you know me and i am not nowhere near a fan of the biden administration in anything other than they are putting more pressure on the airlines to do a better job than most before, and I'm glad for that, because the airlines need to be pressured. The bottom line, though, is it's not going to amount to anything because that the government can only recommend and suggest. They can't mandate how airlines treat us. That's a, that's a that's in the arena of you know free choice from capitalism. If you if you want to choose to go with another carrier, then do it. If you don't, then you don't have to. So. That's where it's at. So I love all the attention, all the discussion, all the focus. The bottom line is it's not going to amount to anything.
3: All right. Well, at least you're saying it like it is, Jay. and That's what we always mm-hmm. expect from you. And as always, we're going to end on hub delays. What's the story on uh, air traffic today?
6: Uh, Seattle, Denver, Minneapolis are kind of the problem trio of the day with uh, some weather delays that pr- approach an hour. Other than that, coast to coast, it's going to be a good day to take to the skies.
3: Good day to take to the skies. Just make sure you uh, get some Crisco and Rub your thighs down with it so you can fit in that seat. (laughs) Jay, God bless you, man. Always a fun time talking with you every week at Thursday. uh, I hurt me the aviation expert, Jay Ratliff. Until next Thursday, my friend, best of luck, and go make some money for the rest of us. (laughs) On my way, sir. Thank you. I know you are. He always sends me a report of how much money.
4: Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.